1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Hey, Alex, how are you?
2: Good, thank you. Got lots of energy today.
1: Excellent. Good.
2: good, good. Sun is shining. It's good. Sun is
1: shining. It's a beautiful day. Today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in, but please do feel free to follow us on all of our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. And also feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if you want um, to make any suggestions for guests. If you have anything you'd like to, uh, to talk about to us in that format, that's great. Or if you have any questions further to this show today with Dr. Zenker. And please do subscribe to our podcast. We are the health hub on iTunes, SoundCloud. Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. And as has been pointed out to me a couple of times, um, you may need to not put any spaces between the health hub. It may be all one word on some uh, um, some places like iTunes. So if you are looking for us, um, try both modes. No, no spaces between the words and spaces between the words. But if you do subscribe to our podcast, you don't need to worry about that. It, you'll be informed right away when we have our new episodes up. But you can also find our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca and on my website, which is kathypiase.com. So Alex, we have a very pertinent conversation today with Dr. Zenker. We're talking about uh, heart disease. Um, About 1 in 12 Canadians aged uh, 20 and over live with a diagnosed heart disease. Cardiovascular disease is an umbrella term that um, is used to describe many diseases of the circulatory system and blood ve- the heart and blood vessels and um, they are the leading cause of death in canadian adults uh, what is good to to note is be- is because of our you know as science takes us down the path we have a a good, a better understanding of what causes heart disease, and um, more importantly, we have a better understanding about how to prevent heart disease. So, when you're talking about uh, integrative health and trying to, you know, take your own health into your hands, things like uh, reducing smoke or not smoking at all, staying active that, that seems to be across the board for good health. Eating a healthy diet. Um, limiting alcohol and maintaining a good weight. These are all extremely important to maintain in order to um, try and avoid the risk of heart disease. So it does affect, as mentioned, a number of people. Today, though, we're going to drill down a bit more and we're going to talk about uh, not only heart disease, but we will be discussing cholesterol and its implication in heart disease. But also the necessity for cholesterol, anything that our body produces, virtually anything that our body is born to produce is there for a reason. And cholesterol has been taking quite a hit as being, um, you know, so detrimental. Of, of course, highly, highly elevated cholesterol. And we'll we'll also be really discussing, drilling down into the numbers. Cholesterol is not one number. It's made of a, no, a number of different. Um, a good blood cholesterol panel is made up of a number of different uh, keynotes. So, something that I really felt. Um, I've I've dealt with high cholesterol myself. I am still dealing with high cholesterol. Um, some of it mitigated by the medication that I have to take post cancer treatment. So uh, this is something that is near and dear to me and just going through this myself, I felt that I learned so much uh, working with Dr. Zenker and doing my own research that I wanted to have her on the show so that she can share her knowledge with you because there's so much more to uh, cholesterol and heart disease than you know we get in our standard blood work. So about Dr. Zanker, she is a board-certified family physician through the American Academy of Family Medicine, a board-certified practitioner in integrative medicine, certified practitioner in functional medicine through the Institute for Functional Medicine. She's certified Bredesen, I hope I'm saying that right, Bredesen training for Alzheimer prevention, and she is the founder of Trinity Integrative Medicine in Burnsville, Minnesota. Dr. Zanker has a particular concern for finding solutions to chronic health problems. She utilizes nutritional supplements and diet recommendations to assist traditional medicine in the treatment and prevention of chronic disease. She looks for root cause and chronic health problems and helps individuals use their own genetics to their benefit for better health, working around possible genetic blockages. She works aggressively to prevent memory loss, detoxification of toxins, increasing neurotransmitter levels when needed, and reducing inflammation and reestablishing gastrointestinal health. So, she has a very deep and broad knowledge of many aspects of integrative health. And I'm very much looking forward to her educating all of us about heart disease and cholesterol. So, everybody, please do stay tuned, and we will be back in just a few minutes.
3: trying to run away from this false reality no matter where i turn my back you're always right in front of me so i push you away but i don't know that i'm wrong i don't know the words to say to make my faith that strong So I will pray to you right now Take away my sin Heal away my brokenness And change this heart again Without you I am nothing But weak and dying So I will pray to you right now And change this heart again What is going through the motions If my life is still the same Every day's the same old puzzle All the pieces rearranged And I refuse your help Out of my own selfish pride Lord, I have so many masks To cover up and hide So I will pray to you right now To take away my sin Come heal away my brokenness and change this heart again Without you I am nothing But a weak and a dying man So I will pray to you right now And change this heart again So I will pray to you my Lord change this heart
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. And I'd like to welcome to our show, Dr. Bernarda Zanker. Dr. Zanker, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you.
1: Now, you're in integrative health. You um, obviously have a, a passion for working systemically with people. Where is your primary focus? Is it within heart disease or do you, is this a, a specialty that you've taken on aside? Because obviously, this is the conversation we're getting into. Or, or where do your passions lie?
2: Oh, I love working with finding the root causes of an individual's struggle, <clears throat> areas that give them problems that they've not been able to to ascertain and to figure out. Um, And with cardiovascular disease, I'm, I'm particularly interested in the inflammation to the heart because now what we're seeing is that inflammation in the heart correlates with inflammation of the brain. And so looking at both of those things together and trying to, trying to determine what is it that is pushing that inflammation. And what we now know is that inflammation in the body systemically can push that inflammation in the heart and brain, including things such as infections and environmental toxins or exposure to mold, mycotoxins. Those are all very fertile grounds for investigation looking at this.
1: When we talk about heart disease coming from, you know, 20 years ago before that, um, well, we have seen a progression where heart disease and, and, and survival is improving. So obviously, science and research is pushing us into the right direction. But we are moving into this discussion that we're going to have about cholesterol Where do you see the major shift in focus? Are you seeing a major shift? I should go back. Are you seeing a major shift in focus now? And is this opening up a whole new conversation about cholesterol?
2: Oh, absolutely. The the whole issue of cholesterol 10 years ago was look at your total cholesterol number and get it lowered. In the last... Five years, there's been much more focus on the actual particle numbers and the risk associated with the lipoprotein particle numbers, um, giving more problems leading to the atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and inflammation. And in addition, what we've, what we've really learned over the last five to 10 years is how this cardiometabolic syndrome is what it's called is a combination of different metabolic dysfunctions that the bird's eye window um, of the house of cardiovascular, cardiometabolic syndrome, the different windows um, you, you, you wanna look through. It might be cholesterol management, dyslipidemia, but it might also present uh, as a bird's eye window of insulin resistance for example impaired glucose tolerance or it may only be you know surfacing up percolating up in someone's health problems as high blood pressure so all of these are, are being a little bit you know that central adiposity overweight are all the areas that we're now looking at of How does high cholesterol and these different dysfunctions overlap, correlate? So that's the state of the art at this time.
1: Well, let's take a step back here. Our body produces cholesterol. And I'm of the mind that if our body innately produces something for us, there is some reason for that. Um, And I think cholesterol has taken quite a hit. And I think it'd be be very enlightening for a lot of people to understand that we do need cholesterol. So maybe you could explain that to us. Yes,
2: cholesterol is absolutely needed. It's produced in the liver, and it is needed for hormone synthesis. And we we have to have adequate cholesterol for hormone synthesis, such as progesterone, testosterone, uh, and the estrogens. We also need cholesterol for the lipid formation of the brain. Regretfully, many, many clinicians, many doctors hone in on atherosclerosis, cardiovascular risk without looking at the larger picture of needing lipids for the brain, um, needing lipids for hormone synthesis. And so there's a, there's a fine line there too much can be problematic and can push a person toward atherosclerosis, but you, you really want to be careful not to overdo it because then you sacrifice the brain and you sacrifice the, the, uh, the adrenal capacity to make the hormones does this make sense of what I'm saying, Kathy? It,
1: it really does. And, and what it, it kind of leads me down this path, um, and I was actually hoping to bring this, this topic up a little later, but it, in the flow of this conversation, um, the number one recommendation, maybe the number one medication out there is a statin. And, you know, if, if, if you're not integrative, um, an integrative physician and you're just looking at the standard blood panel, the statin is the go-to medication solely to bring that number down without, and this is what I've experienced, without any type of digging down into the nuances of the, of the numbers. So we get a standard panel here. Can over subscription either of, a, of the medication or the dosage, can it link to any sort of memory disease? I'm talking dementia, things like that. Down the road, has there been any link between a statin and further down the road, a link to dementia? Absolutely. Just in my own personal practice,
2: I have three patients, all men, brought to my practice by their wives. They each, and and they didn't know each other, they're in different parts of the country. They each had been started on a statin because their total cholesterol was thought to be too elevated. And they all, they each, all three of these men began to form memory problems. One particular man couldn't find his way to work. He didn't recognize a bridge that he had crossed every day twice for 50 years. And he he didn't even know where he was or nor did he recognize this this body of water. And his wife brought him into me and said, could this be the statin medication? And what we did is we 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 ran his numbers, his total cholesterol, because the statin had been driven down so low but it was sacrificing the lipid in his brain. And so for that particular individual, we got him off the statin, we changed his diet. We changed some of the um, problems that are now linked with causing high cholesterol, such as inflammation. And his numbers have risen back up somewhat. He's regained his memory. And his inflammation markers have markedly decreased. So there are ways that we can work with cholesterol without sacrificing other parts of the body, yet providing help to the heart. And and that's what I think the the big message that I would love to get to our listeners is that inflammation, inflammation can push cholesterol and we've got to put a lid on the reasons for the inflammation and, and use the functional approach rather than the medication approach. You're not against statins, are you? I'm not against statins if we have to have them, but I think the first line interventions should be um, the, the systemic interventions to decrease the causes of elevated cholesterol, if we if if a patient has done all of that and they're still having uh, plaque buildup in the coronary vessels, then I think that there are natural interventions that we can use, such as red yeast rice, to to inhibit that atherosclerotic plaque from building.
1: Okay, so here's a question. Um, can You know, we have this set number of, of what the ideal range of cholesterol is. Is there any reason to believe or assume that everything status quo, inflammation is in check? There's no plaque buildup. You know, these tests can all be done, Correct correct. Yes. Is there any indication to believe that some people need to operate and function at a higher level? Or is that not? I, I just want to make it perfectly clear, whether you believe that we need to have cholesterol within a narrow range, or can there be fluctuation for some people? Is, is there is there a case where an individual genetics or otherwise can have everything else in check, yet their cholesterol level is high? Or is that still always going to be a, a marker of concern? Mm.
2: There are some individuals that have very high elevated cholesterol that I've worked with. And when I have checked the cardiac plaque buildup in their blood vessels, um, in, in the coronary, the, the large vessels of the heart, their coronary calcium score is zero. They do not have high buildup of plaque in the coronary vessels, and if it's not built up in the coronary vessels, the the reason we are, Kathy, concerned with cholesterol, let's back up and talk about that for a minute. The reason we're concerned with high cholesterol is the supposition that high cholesterol leads to atherosclerotic plaque, which can lead to a coronary heart them as a heart attack. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily always true. You may um, whistle clean coronary arteries with zero plaque yet still have high cholesterol. And in those individuals, and, and I have multiple of those individuals in, in my practice, I stress to them. Eat an anti-inflammatory diet, make sure you're exercising, um, stay away from dense um, sugar containing foods and and live an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. It's the the inflammation in the liver that we think is pushing up the, the cholesterol levels.
1: Is there a reason to test the liver other than the production of cholesterol?
2: Oh, I always look at the liver uh, as, as a, it's the, the, the liver is the washing machine of the body. Um, it is the major life giving detoxification organ of the body. It brings toxins into the liver, converts them, converts toxins from lipid soluble to water soluble, and then allows the, the, the cleaning out of those toxins from the bloodstream. So you absolutely want to keep um, an, an, a window, an eye on liver function. If inflammation is high in the body, it's going to cause the liver to produce more cholesterol.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: That's the research from Dr. Mark Houston. The inflammation in the body can push up cholesterol formation in the liver. And so that, that's why I come back to this anti-inflammatory perspective of, of looking at the root causes of the inflammation in the body, the toxins, the infections, um, uh, and an inflammatory diet, eating too much sugar, um, and, and managing your cholesterol levels from that perspective first
1: cholesterol also has a healing effect on on the arteries and veins does it not i mean the buildup of plaque is isn't just a mechanism of getting stuck is it isn't it a a, a reparatory function as well it is um well the, the glycocalyx
2: within the endothelium you really want a soothing balm for that and within the cell walls, there are lipids, so phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylserine. The actual cholesterol molecule is not, is not that component of phospholipids. That's a different component of phospholipids okay. for the glycocalyx of the, of the endothelium. And you need good amino acids, the proline and lysine as well for the endothelium to function. And it's very helpful, let me just mention this as well. Um, Antioxidants can be extraordinarily helpful for the healing of the endothelium by preventing um, oxidative stress as that constant turnover and repair is occurring.
1: Well, tell me the difference between cholesterol and oxidized cholesterol. One is, is more detrimental than the other, I think, correct?
2: Oxidized cholesterol is more detrimental. Yes. And it's the, it's the oxidation, this oxidative state that is inflammatory and can cause the buildup of the, the foam cells, the, the macrophage foam cells, oxidized LDL, with the macrophages predispose to foam cells being formed in the bloodstream. And when you get an accumulation of the foam cells, they they coagulate like a, um, a sticky goo that then attaches to the endothelium in the bloodstream, causing the plaque.
1: Is oxid- oxidation of cholesterol, the cholesterol molecule, is that uh, a reaction to inflammation? Yes. So yes. if you are not inflamed, if you're keeping your inflammation low and your cholesterol is not oxidized, is it still potentially harmful?
2: I've always learned, Kathy, never to say never. Never but it is not as
1: harmful as harmful. Okay.
2: As harmful. That is a key is, is preventing the oxidation of the LDL. And that's why, for example, high dose vitamin C, if somebody is taking vitamin C every day, four times a day, it can help prevent the oxidation of LDL.
1: Interesting. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come right back and continue on with this conversation. So everybody, please um, join us in another couple of minutes. Don't
4: know how you looked at me and saw the person that I could be awakening my heart
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're having a very important conversation, in my estimation anyways, here of cholesterol and some wonderful information, again, that you can put in your tool belt. Dr. Zanker, if you had a patient coming into you um, with standard cholesterol levels that didn't read well, what is your go-to for testing and um, and maybe even stepping it back, differentiating between what you consider a, a very comprehensive test versus the, the standard tests that are out there? Sure. If somebody has
2: um, high cholesterol, or if they even just want to know prevention, what is my, my best evaluation? I look at lipoprotein particle numbers. The, the test that I use in my practice is by SpectraCell. It is available uh, in Canada and in many countries of the world spectrocell lipoprotein particle test. And here is why I love it. It breaks down the actual particle numbers of the lipoproteins of the LDL particles themselves, whether it's um, LDL four, three and four, which are the most atherogenic problem particles versus some of the, some of the, 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 the larger fluffier particles, the LDL one and two, it will actually give us the numbers. It will break it down. Here's why this is important. You may get a global number, such as on a standard routine cholesterol panel, saying, for example, that your LDL is 200. What we don't know is that level 200, for example, the problematic uh, LDL four? Or is it the more protective the LDL one and two? And so when you get that range, and you're able to fractionate it out, you can assess how much an individual really is at risk. In addition, on that particular test panel, what I absolutely love is that they will give me the LP little a cholesterol level, LP little a. This is why LP little a is so important. It is the most atherogenic genetic particle that we know of. Someone can have an absolute picture perfect cholesterol level and their LP little a be sky high. Here's why this is important. When you have oxidative stress in the body, that LP little a molecule can be cleaved off. It can be broken. It's it's connected to the LDL molecule by a disulfur bond. And if that disulfur bond gets broken because of high oxidative stress, it makes the the LDL molecule, extremely atherogenic. So in practical terms, what am I saying? I'm, I, I, for example, had a first degree cousin in my family, total cholesterol, perfectly normal, had gone in for his annual physical picture perfect health. One week later, he dropped dead of a massive heart attack after he was a farmer. And I can only imagine he had been out farming, you know, pulling machinery around, uh, perhaps got dehydrated, maybe overheated, very high oxidative stress in his body. And the LP little a molecule got broken, giving the environment, of massive stress, oxidative stress in the body causing massive clotting. And he died of a massive heart attack right after he had been evaluated. He had had his annual physical. So it's those kinds of scenarios when we hear of that, I always worry about LP little a. If you you have any test that you could obtain at your fingertips, I would recommend that that, um, the LPP test from SpectraCell because it will give you your LP little a cholesterol, your fractionated LDL molecules, and it also gives homocysteine. Homocysteine is a very inflammatory product to the heart. And what we now know is that it's inflammatory to the brain. And the beauty of knowing your homocysteine is we also know that there are seven nutrients that are needed to metabolize homocysteine. So if you have an elevated homocysteine and, and, and I see that, I immediately will make sure that my patient is taking these seven nutrients. And you know, let me put a plug in for a, how we evaluate those seven nutrients with the spectra cell test. It's the micronutrient test. Mm-hmm available through, through Spectrum cell, it measures all seven of those nutrients. And I can pinpoint which of the seven nutrients are problematic for the homocysteine.
1: And this is how, this is how we met, right? This is, um, I, I, um, I took those two tests. I'm also in a clinic that, um, that can write those, those tests, uh, recommend those tests for people. And, and these correlated beautifully. And this is how we, we sort of began our relationship was because, um, of my testing. So I can tell everybody firsthand that a, they go hand in hand and B, um, I found that being able to separate and dive down into the numbers, uh, was very um, heartening for me uh, i went I went from my standard test where i you know i was i couldn 't sleep at night because my numbers weren't good to um, figuring out a lot more clearly as to why and there were many many reasons that cholesterol can that number can be um, not what we want it to be aren 't there a medication diet all of these things can can fit into this this um, protocol of trying to improve, medication can't be helped. But at least, you know, uh, personally on my uh, avenue, having an understanding of, of where I was deficient and an understanding, a very much deeper understanding of cholesterol, it's helped me quite a bit. Um, and I think that, um, Dr. Zenker, what you're saying is the more we know, the bigger the picture, the more pointed you can be and people can be with how they're going to tackle this as opposed to just directly going on to a medication, which may in the end may be necess- necessary, but um, lots of avenues that we can hit this by, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And and Kathy, let me just
2: mention also this LP little a, there are multiple cardiologists now that are writing that in the era of COVID-19, of the pandemic, that when a person gets the virus, that the virus itself can cause oxidative stress in the body. And it's the oxidative stress from the virus. The One of the theories for rapid problems in certain individuals could be this underlying genetic problem of certain individuals, like my cousin that I just spoke about, having elevated LP little a. If there's any blood test that I would recommend for individuals to know about, it's, it's, you need to know your LP little a because there are um, functional medicine recommendations that people can take to help prevent blood clotting from forming. If they are predisposed to that in a state of oxidative stress, there are, Um, phytonutrients that are recommended to help put a lid on oxidative stress, such as curcumin. Uh, The curcuminoids are are fabulous. Resveratrol. I use a lot of resveratrol in my practice from Japanese knotweed, that particular type of, of resveratrol. Those two together, curcumin and resveratrol, are terrific game changers for many, many individuals. High dose vitamin C, I mentioned that earlier. The problem with vitamin C high dose is that it only stays in the body for about three hours. So ideally you need to take vitamin C every three to four hours while you're awake. Uh, Whereas resveratrol and curcumin have a longer half-life. I have many patients take all three, again, to help decrease... The oxidative stress in the body, which in turn is going to help that liver, keeping a lid on the oxidative stress in the liver so that it doesn't be triggered, so that it's not triggering off making of cholesterol so much.
1: It's, you know, with our our understanding of systems in the body, and I hope everybody, as you continue to listen to the show and you become more and more aware of how things are integrated, it is just such... Uh, important information that Dr. Zanker is sharing with us. Before we hit the end of the show, there's, there's the APOE genotype that comes up. I'm hearing that more and more in different avenues, but can you explain the significance, what it is and the significance of that?
2: Sure. The APOE is an enzyme. It's genetically determined and there are, Uh, it's determined by genetically the combination of an allele from your mother and the allele from your father. And the, the um, APOE enzyme is an enzyme that helps to break down specific lipids in the body, the triglycerides. The, the best No, let me say the normal genotype that we see in about 80% of individuals is what is called a 3-3. If you have a problematic genotype, such as a 3-4 or a 4-4, what that means is the enzyme doesn't work very well and it doesn't break down the triglycerides very easily. Here is why that is a problem. An abundance of that lipid can predispose to atherosclerosis. And so if you know your APOE, genetic polymorphism, your, your genetic type, in advance, you can take precautions. Here's an example. If someone were a three, two, or a two, two, that individual can eat, can consume triglycerides liberally. They burn through them, metabolizing them uh, without difficulty. If you're a three, four, or a four, four, my advice to those patients are you want to be on a low triglyceride, low lipid diet you want to be very cautious not to go overboard because genetically your body cannot break them down if your body cannot break down that lipid then it's you you're predisposed to atherogenic plaque buildup that's where we get into the problem with the foam cells in in the coronary vessels forming cardiovascular plaque where this is important and where the research really delved into this is the APOE enzyme initially with the heart, but now with the brain, if whatever is good for the heart, you just wanna realize that the mirror image in the same discussion is what is good for the brain. And an APO enzyme, three, four, or a four, four genotype is considered you're more at risk for dementia, atherosclerotic dementia occurring uh, older in life, like in a person's 70s or 80s, when that plaque builds up to such an extent that circulation in the minor vessels of the brain is compromised. And so if we have individuals in their forties or in their fifties, if they find out their APOE enzyme, there's a lot of prevention that we can do. And there are things that we can recommend from a functional perspective to increase circulation in those microvessels as well.
1: And this is from a genetic panel. This is not this is a nutrient not a, panel or a-, a Correct. It
2: test. would be a genetic test. It could be ordered separately, an APOE enzyme ordered separately. Uh, and it is a genetic marker. It's not on a nutrient panel or a lipid panel. Would it be safe
1: to say that if you have the APOE uh, enzyme that is not the healthiest, this might uh, come through as inflammation in the body?
2: It could. Yes. It could.
1: Not yes. necessarily though.
2: Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily
1: well it's interesting you know with the, with the advent of 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 many people on the high fat diet and just doing it because it's you know for for whatever reasons it's very important you know we're talking we're getting more and more into precision nutrition and precision medicine and so forth so understanding where your genes are at um can be very key because again, if you, if you, if this enzyme is not uh, the one that that is not the healthy one for you um, being on a high fat diet may be extremely detrimental. Is that a correlation? That that is
2: absolutely. That is absolutely correct. The reason that a ketogenic high fat diet is recommended in terms of brain function is for the ketones that are created from the lipids that you consume. However, The downside is that if you have an APOE enzyme problem, that elevated lipid consumption can further lead to atherosclerotic plaque and compromising of of your blood circulation. So that is why if you're, if you're going to be undertaking a ketogenic diet, it is very wise to understand your APOE status. Now, Kathy, many people, um, can be advised to do a ketogenic diet to, to undertake a ketogenic diet for the formation of ketones because ketones help to it's an energy source that brain cells like. And that's why in some of our elderly that are having um, mm-hmm. dementia issues, we do recommend ketogenic diets yeah as a therapy as a therapy, however, what's what's really, I mean, you you have to look at the other side of the coin and know um, that APOE status, can you break down those lipids that you may be taking in those individuals that may have a compromised ability, an APOE three, four, or four, four, yet need help with dementia and getting good energy to their brain Um, there, there are interventions such as ketones, uh, exogenous ketones Mm
1: -hmm. that
2: in powders that people can drink, um, you know, mix up and drink in in liquids that are now on the market. That is another way just to help circumvent the problem Mm -hmm. where you, you, you follow a lower lipid diet to keep your fat consumption down because of your APOE, yet you can drink your exogenous ketones to help Mm -hmm. your to help your brain.
1: Now, just uh, before we get to the end of the show here, then uh, because this is a topic that has relevance, a ketogenic diet for many people, um, if they don't have their genetic panel done, but get the blood test done, if uh, there's an elevated try, Is there a linear connection between that enzyme and um, an elevated triglyceride level? Uh, for, or going the other way, if someone has a low triglyceride level, can they assume that their enzyme is probably working well?
2: You can, if, if there's an... If there's an elevated triglyceride level, you have to worry about could that be an APOE enzyme problem? Yes. If they have a low triglyceride level, that doesn't necessarily mean that your APOE is good. It just means that you're doing a good job, not triggering off high triglyceride formation. Okay. And, and some of those things, as I had mentioned earlier, could be um, inflammatory diets, high sugar content. Um, eat, and, and so you, what, what you would want is an anti-inflammatory diet. Mm-hmm. You wanna stay, you, you wanna keep your blood sugars balanced. You wanna you know, maintain good exercise. Um, so one way it can be helpful, but it's not necessarily always the case that a low triglyceride means you, that, that your home safe, with okay. a good APOE.
1: So lots of ways to examine and to figure out how our heart health is, um, how our heart is functioning. And it's just, you know, if if there's one thing that I think we want to get to you is that there are many ways that we need to, as, as you said, many windows to examine heart health with. So I hope that um, I know for me, Dr. Zanker has been a wealth of information and I hope this has come across. It's, it's a a very deep dive into your health and, and you need to have all of the answers uh, in front of you so that you can actually work with your physician, work with your medical team to make proper decisions on what is correct for you. And just because it's been in the family doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to pass down to you. You know, as we become this, you know, this is going to be my 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 platform here. As we become more um, understanding of what good health is, um, you know, maybe better than um, generations before, the importance of a good diet, the importance of moving and so forth, there are many vehicles that we can use. Um, so, you know, understanding you, understand you, get all the information you can. Dr. Zanker, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Uh, can people get in touch with you? Are you taking patients or um, is it consulting that is your, your uh, primary focus right now?
2: Yes, I am taking new patients. I have my own private practice in Minnesota. It's at Trinity Integrative Medicine.com. Trinity trinityintegrativemedicine.com. I do have patients internationally and I love looking for root causes and giving recommendations of, of how we can go forward.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show, Dr. Zenker. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy.
2: I appreciate
1: it. Everybody will talk Thank to you, you next week on The Health Hub.